Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name's Terry Barber with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We are delighted to have Father Mark Goring joining us here on the Hour with Bishop Strickland. Father, uh, first of all, Bishop Strickland, thanks for taking time again to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father Mark, thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, God bless you. Thanks, Terry. Our pleasure. <laughs> you know, normally we talk about Bishop Strickland's tweets and what's going on in the church and how we need to just teach the Catholic faith with its teachings and how it applies to a world that acts like God doesn't exist. But I wanted to just uh, start off with something about Cardinal Pell. We talked a little bit about him last week. Cardinal Pell, 81 years old, he died uh, the 10th of January of a heart attack after he was having hip surgery. And he is known for just, I mean, I knew him personally and I know that he was just a straight shooter. In other words, he taught what the Catholic faith taught all of his life. And he was willing to step out and speak the truth, even if it was politically incorrect, which I appreciate. And both of you have done that in your own as a bishop and a priest. So, I mean, he, he said something around. Uh, a, he wrote an, an article like the day before he passed, and it was in The Spectator. And he basically was trying to advise his brother cardinals that we have some challenges in the church and uh, reminding the bishops, the cardinals, that we're defenders of the servants of that apostolic tradition. We are not masters of the apostolic tradition. We're not to free, we're not free to change any essentials in the perennial teachings of the church. As a layman, that moved me to say, wow, I, I'm glad he's trying to influence our cardinals uh, to really, you know, confirm us in our faith, because it seems to me that's what cardinals and popes and priests and bishops are to do. I'd like to get Bishop Strickland's take on that, because you did tweet that, Bishop Strickland. Yeah, well, I think it's um, really a shame that, you know, certainly Cardinal Pell, 81 years old, had hip surgery. It's both father and I, I'm sure, have dealt with parishioners and similar circumstances. Where it reminds us we're just men, we're just human beings, yeah. and the same things happen to us that happen to anyone else. We certainly pray for Cardinal Pell. He went through a lot, and as we talked last time, we were, I was impressed with. I had the well, we had him yeah, on, on your show, sure. this show, yes. I guess. Um, and I was impressed with his humility, with his witness to faith, as he was wrongfully imprisoned. Mm -hmm. There wasn't any bitterness that I heard or anger. He was very complimentary to the guards and, and worried about their humanity. And I, I just was very impressed with that. And I think we need straight shooters. The truth is our strength. It's what we have to for today and for the future. Uh, we have to have the truth. And uh, so it's a shame to lose his voice, and we pray that many of the cardinals and bishops um, that are that have significant roles, and whether in the Vatican or around the world in different dioceses, that hopefully we can be emboldened to joyfully, like we talk about all the time, Terry. Amen. This is the truth. Yep. It's the greatest gift that we can offer another person, even if it's an uncomfortable truth or a challenging truth. Uh, certainly, we don't attack anyone. We always value the person because God values the person. But we've got to proclaim the truth. And so 
my prayer is that as we pray for Cardinal Pell, that he his writings will inspire many to uh, to speak up and to speak the truth. We all need to be strengthened by the truth, and I'm sure Father Goring can add a lot to that. And we're on the same page. I bet, Father. Yeah, I mean, I, I was obviously sad to hear of uh, Cardinal Pell's passing. It was a um, it was a surprise, and you know, part of the sadness was because you know he was um, kind of a courageous voice. You know, he he wasn't uh, afraid to to speak up on um, the unpopular issues of, of the day, and um, and you know, he seemed to have a deep concern for. Uh, the church and making making sure the church kind of stays on the right path, that, you know, the path of you know, fidelity to the teaching of our Lord Jesus, you know, biblical orthodoxy as taught by the saints throughout the ages. And um, I, I I didn't know a lot uh, about Cardinal Pell, but I, I heard he was um, he was really you know popular among the young people in Australia because of his um, upholding. The Catholic Church teaching, which wasn't, you know, considered politically correct, and I think, you know, young people, they know courage when they see it, and <clears throat> being politically correct doesn't take uh, any courage at all, you know. But but standing up for, you know, church teaching that isn't understood in our world today, that's mocked and ridiculed sometimes, um, you know, he he wasn't afraid to you know, to, to stand up for, you know, the truth of the Catholic faith. And I, I know, you know, a lot in the, you know, especially whatever mainstream media, some of the public wouldn't have liked that at all. Uh, but young people who are searching for truth and, and looking for courageous um, leaders, they, they found that in Cardinal Pell. So, uh, so yeah, I hope, praise God for his, his, his courage and his love, you know, to be able to stand for the truth. Well said. I just want to move to Pope Benedict XVI, who also passed away at the end of this last year, just a couple of weeks ago. We had this funeral, and and so much of his writings now, through Ignatius Press and other publishers, are coming out. Um, one of the things that maybe Father Mark, I know Bishop Strickland's familiar with, the spirit of the liturgy that Pope Benedict wrote back in 1999, published by Ignatius Press. And it seems that he really had a pulse on uh, understanding that we need to bring sacredness back into the liturgy and kind of, um, I mean, he was the last father of the Vatican too. As far as I know, I don't know if anybody else is alive. Maybe they are, but they have to be very old to be participating in the Vatican II Council. So he just made it real clear that um, the spirit of the liturgy, we need to uh, really make sure that we understand who we're worshiping at Mass. And I'd like to get both of your comments, because, you know, Vatican II calls the Mass the source, the Eucharist, the source and summit of the Christian life. And I think he really, uh, and from as far as I can say, that's my favorite book of uh, Benedict XVI, because um, if we don't have the liturgy right, uh, we get nothing right. So, Bishop Strickland, your thoughts on that book? Absolutely. It's a wonderful book. Um, and as you said, Terry, I think um, Pope Benedict when Cardinal Rotzinger, when he wrote that book, but he just had a love for the liturgy and a deep understanding. He was a scholar and a theologian. And um, one of the, uh, as we've said before, one of, one of, I mean, John Paul II had many accomplishments 
but one of the greatest, in my opinion, was the catechism. Oh, yeah. I think one of Pope Benedict's accomplishments that really helps us now in this time of confusion is the, the third typical edition of the Roman Missal. Yeah. It, it, it clarified some things. It really brought us to a, a more solemn, more reverent, theocentric kind of liturgy. Just in, I mean, no big structure changes, but just in some of the wording and the fact that it was called a Roman Missal rather than a sacramentary, which was what it was when I was ordained a priest. So I think that was a great accomplishment during the pontificate of Benedict the Sixteenth was that new Roman Missal that we're using now. That you know people complained, oh, the the language was too uh, too formal or whatever, but. It, it comes, it was just a retranslation of the Latin, the original Latin, and refining some of that, sort of elevating the language, because, you know, the Mass is not just any other meeting, Amen. but it is it is a unique, and it needs to have some of that unique expression of the solemn reality that we're there to worship God in God's house, whether it's a grand basilica or a simple church like many of ours in the diocese. The building is not the main thing. It needs to be what the people can afford and what they can offer to honor God. But the main thing, the liturgy, is in the simplest of buildings, it can be grand because who we're celebrating is the Lord of the universe. <laughs> and Pope Benedict was very clear about that. Beautiful. Father Mark? Yeah, I've read a, a number of uh, things that... Uh, Pope Benedict has written. I haven't read the Spirit of the Liturgy yet. It's it's definitely on my list of books. Read. It's been on the list for a long time. I just it's one of those, those it's things. A big I book. It's a big book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've seen it around. A lot of the priests in my community have read it and loved it. Um, I mean, the, the thing about Pope Benedict is I I never had the chance to to meet him or get to know him, you know, personally. But um, I've always been so impressed with his writings and I've almost found it amusing <laughs> how he can put together a few thoughts or ideas that are just, they're brilliant and beautiful and, and um, insightful and, and, and spiritually deep. I'll give you one example. Um, I, I've always had a great love for Our Lady Guadalupe and she was part of my conversion as a teenager out of atheism, the story of the Tilma. Yeah. And so I read a lot of books and did a lot of studying our, on Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I thought, you know, I had a pretty good idea of Our Lady Guadalupe. And then I uh, came across something Pope Benedict just mentioned about Our Lady of Guadalupe just in passing. And he, in one paragraph, like in three or four sentences, summarized the beauty, the mystery, the wonder of Our Lady of Guadalupe in a way that all the books I read, you know, didn't <laughs> hit on so clearly and, you know, Amazing. with such depth. And I'm thinking to myself, like, he's in Europe. Like he's, he's Father, hang on. Europe. We're going to take a quick break. I want to finish that story about Pope Benedict. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. We have Father Mark Goring, our guest here on the hour. 
And he was telling us a marvelous story about Benedict XVI and how we can articulate certain aspects of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So, Father, we, we had a quick break, but let's get back onto that story. Yeah, well, like I said, I was just, you know, after doing so much reading and studying of Our Lady of Guadalupe, to read something that Pope Benedict had written just in passing about Our Lady of Guadalupe that perfectly encapsulates it. I was thinking, okay, like he's in Europe. He's a, he's a German, you know, uh, Bishop Pope. And yet, how does he understand, you know, yeah. Our Lady Guadalupe? And this is, I mean, this isn't his area of specialty, I don't think. I mean, he's a theologian, a philosopher. And, and since then, like everything I read from him, it's, it's so beautiful. It's so inspiring. And the thing I liked about, I liked about Pope Benedict too is, and, and not everyone appreciated this. Uh, especially in the secular world, uh, you know, the, the media or whatever, he, he really came across as a meek and humble man. Oh, yeah. Despite his great genius mm-hmm. and also the tremendous power he yielded in the church, you know, obviously, ultimately, as, as Pope, um, such a meek man. And I remember when he traveled to England for a, a papal visit. Before the visit, there was so much kind of negativity and, and, you know, sarcasm, like a lot of the, some of the British people, including leadership were really kind of disrespectful. And he spent a few days on his papal visit. And when he was flying out of England, it's like he, he touched the hearts of everyone, like all of the, the, the mockers or, or, you know, negative people, we're, we're impressed with him. And I think it was particularly his meekness, but also his brilliance. (laughs) Here's a, here's a brilliant man who's not trying to impress anyone, just humbly trying to be faithful to his duties. (laughs) Anyways, I, I love Pope Benedict and I, I plan God willing to spend the rest of my life poking away at things he's written, <laughs> like, you know, and a lot of priests, I'm sure Bishop Strickland can confirm this. Like when I talk among priests, well, oh, what are you reading? What's inspiring you? A lot of them say, Oh, Pope Benedict, you know, <laughs> and, and is, do you, do you experience the same thing, uh, Bishop Strickland? Oh yeah, absolutely. And from what I understand, we actually had some of our priests and seminarians that were there at the funeral and in, in the Vatican. And they said there were lots of priests there from around the world. And I think that's just an indicator. And and I mean, he was sort of like a, a father to priest, almost a, a grandfatherly figure. And, you know, he sort of could, could blow you away with his theological precision, but still be very humble, meek, and and not flashy at all. He had a warmth about him. He, he had, you know, we have to face it as Pope, he had a, a tough act to follow. I mean, the super charismatic, of course, John Paul II, now St. John Paul II had really diminished a lot in the last years of his life, but he was truly a rock star <laughs> and for Pope Benedict to follow him. But Pope Benedict really had his own style and his own beautiful commitment. I was just reading about um, World Youth Day that he went to I guess it was 2010, or I forget exactly the time, but how much he loved the young people and how much they gravitated to him in a way similar to John Paul II, but with Benedict's own style. And I think 
that uh, like we were talking, I was talking with Father Goring um, during our break that um, as a young person, uh, he wasn't so sure about the faith, but different elements drew him to uh, a, a deep love of our Catholic faith. And part of that is is having people like Pope Benedict, who is clearly a brilliant man. I mean, he could be, you know, one of the Fortune 500 companies if that's how he had used his brilliance. But instead, he studied the faith and shared that faith in a very humble way. And one thing that's striking is, as I read more about Pope Benedict, it's it's very clear he was actually hoping to retire when when John Paul II died. He thought he could step away, and even before that, and then he gets elected pope. So it really, as I've read, you know, it's not that surprising with that humility and that sort of um, understanding of him, an understated dimension of himself. I think it, it to me, it, as I read those kind of stories, it makes more sense that he did resign the papacy. I mean, it's still very controversial, and there'll probably still be a lot of books written about that, because it's hard to figure out. But I think it was an expression of his humility, not abandoning the church in any way, but stepping into a very prayerful mode, recognizing the diminishing strength that he was concerned about, even before he was made Pope. Wow, wow. I know that there were 400,000 people at that World Youth Day in Australia because Cardinal Pell spoke about it last month. It was the largest amount of people ever assembled in the history of Australia, and that was the World Youth Day in Australia. So you're, you're spot on. You know, Father Mark and Bishop Strickland, I always quote Pope Benedict uh, I, at the end of my book on how to share your faith with anyone, he said this. I, I ended this book. He said, Pope Benedict said, there is nothing more beautiful than to be surprised by the gospel, by the encounter with Christ. There is nothing more beautiful than to know him and to speak to others about our friendship with him. And that touched me because that's what we all, that's what we're all doing. You know, we want to introduce people to the person of Christ. I think that was very special for him. I wanted to get your take on another Pope, and I'm going to shoot from the hip here because back in October, you, Fisher Strickland, you tweeted this, and I kept this copy of the tweet from Pope Pius, the, Pope St. Pius X. And I wanted to ask how it applies to you as a bishop and Father Goring as a priest. And here's the quote. The Pope said, How I tremble to think that souls can be punished for all eternity on the account of negligence of their pastor. That Innocent people can be led from the path of truth because the words of the inspired text were never preached to them and that the spirit of the world and of our time especially should pour into ill-instructed minds for want of a firm hand to check its tide. I have a sacred duty to defend the truth openly for God will ask me to render an account for all those souls who have strayed into the way of perdition. I was moved by that statement as a layman on the radio or now, you know, how does that apply to you, Bishop Strickland and also Father Mark? I'll, I'll let Bishop Strickland go first. I, I like to hear from Father Mark first on that because <laughs> it really speaks to me. Yeah. Uh, that's how Father Mark and I have gotten to know each other. Yeah. He speaks the truth. Uh, he certainly he does. trouble for it sometimes, but 
we have to speak the truth. So I'd like to hear Father Mark. Awesome. Talk. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think our people, they need to see <laughs> what I would call a kind of a holy recklessness. Mm from the pastors like if we truly believe in the gift of eternal life won for us by the lord jesus if we truly believe that you know the, there are two ways like the lord jesus speaks about the wide and easy path the narrow path that every soul is made for eternal life but we can choose to reject that like if we truly believe this we shouldn't be all kind of trim and proper and polite all the time now obviously there's a place for being prim and proper and polite but i think you know there must be especially in our time a certain holy recklessness a loving recklessness where we our people need to see our shepherds they're a little there's a divine madness they're 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 anxious to see us hear the good news respond to the gospel encounter Jesus and choose, you know, to, to, you know, say as to the gift of eternal life. I, I think if, if a pastor is so nice and careful and, and not rocking the boat at all, people would be like, but wait a minute, don't you believe in something eternal and great and, and so important? Like, don't you, don't, don't you care about us? You know? And so I think souls are drawn to pastors who like St. Paul, they're, they're anxious for, for the children, God's children to, to know the truth and to, and to believe it and, and to, to accept it. And so, you know, the words of, um, you know, uh, that you just quoted there from Pope Pius the 10th, is that right. who it was? Yes, sir. Oh yeah. yeah it resonates. <laughs> it, cer- it certainly resonated with me as a layman. And, and uh, thank you, Father Mark. And you know, Father Mark, I watch a lot of your videos, like a lot of our <clears throat> listeners do. I just want to give a plug a couple times during the hour. How can people get in tune with your social media platforms? Well, I mean, my, YouTube is pretty much my only thing, I think. I, and so Father Mark Goring on YouTube. Okay. Good. <laughs> I, I put them on a, on my Facebook public page, but it's just a YouTube video on, on Facebook. So, yeah, I'm on YouTube. <laughs> Good. Well, Bishop Strickland... Um, I would think, and I'm just putting words in your mouth, but I want to hear from you, but the Holy Father here, Pope Pius X, is really um, pointing out the responsibility, as Father Mark was saying, of shepherds to really um, proclaim the truth in season and out. Uh, does that give you hope as a bishop when you read from the saints the, uh, the, just their commitment to fidelity to the truth? Absolutely. Gives me hope and strength to, to continue to do my best to do the same thing in our time. Yeah. And what occurs to me as Father Mark was talking, um, you know, we're three men. Terry, you're a, a, a father of yep. children. That's right. Father Mark and I are fathers, spiritual fathers of children. Yep. And, you know, what dad worth his salt is going, we've talked about it before, Terry. I know. I what love dad it. is not going to say, son, stop that. Exactly. Instead of, oh, son, maybe, or not even saying anything. Well, son, if you're choosing that, well, okay. I mean, that's not being a father. No. And I, I think the, the the job of a shepherd has that fathering aspect, a, a spiritual father. And we need to <clears throat> be you know, ready to face whatever for the sake of the flock, for the sake of 
our spiritual children. And the truth, there's no better weapon than the truth. The truth is, is what we present and we have to. And uh, so what Pius X, Pope Pius X said is to me, it does, it should make us tremble to think, I have a responsibility. I mean, that's what motivates me as a bishop. Yeah, I've got 33 counties, about 1.5 million people that I need to speak to as bishop of the Diocese of Tyler. Only a fraction of those, less than 10% are Catholic. But the church says all of them, as Father Mark was saying, they're all souls of God. They're all beloved of God. And I have an obligation to share the truth with them. Amen. And when we come back, we're going to confirm Archbishop Charles Chaput basically said the same thing you gentlemen said. And I want to do that. And also, I want to I want to talk a little bit about St. Anthony of Egypt. You tweeted about him. And I've got something that I was sent that I think will really rock people big time when it regards to falling in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more of the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. As a layman, I'm listening to these two men who've committed their life to Jesus Christ and their sacred priesthood by hearing our confessions, by uh, saying Mass and convecting the Eucharist. I mean, uh, you know, the Church couldn't exist without the Mass. And I want to say publicly for our listeners, thank you, Bishop Strickland. Thank you, Father Mark, for saying yes to Jesus about your priesthood. All right, and I just yeah. want you to know every Thursday night we pray for two of you and all the priests here because at our chapel, we're part of our Opus Angelorum spirituality is praying for the Pope, the bishops, the priests every Thursday for Holy Hour. And we say prayers specifically for priests, bishops, and the Holy Father to confirm us in our faith. So we got your back covered with the lay people praying for you. All right, uh, Bishop Strickland, you guys have both been talking about the truth. Well, Archbishop Chapu you know, was saying that, uh, I, I just get, speaking the truth is polarizing. And he, you know, our Lord was polarizing. And you said, thank you, Archbishop Chaput. I love uh, your reminder that speaking the truth is polarizing and that this happens in the ministry of Jesus Christ himself. He did not shy away from the truth and neither should we. So I, I think that uh, this is what we as lay people are looking for, leadership. And I remember the book, the Battle for the American Church by Monsignor George Kelly. He says, where is the church going? And he said, where there's leaders, take them. So if we have strong leadership, we're going to follow you guys. Why? Because we see your commitment to Christ and him crucified. All right, I'm done. I want to give a quote here from St. Anthony of the Desert. And Bishop, uh, I mean, sorry, St. Athanasius Snyder wrote his autobiography. People might want to read that. But we just had a feast day of St. Anthony of Egypt. And you tweeted that it inspired you to be sure that our possessions do not possess us. He sold everything and became a hermit. We are all called to be hermits, but we are called to live simple, recognizing that wealth does not ultimately feed deep, uh, deep hunger in our hearts. I just want to, I did a little research. When he was in the desert, he lived to be 105. I don't want to live to be 105. Please, God, don't put that. But if he, whatever God wills, okay? But, I mean, he had 8,000 souls that he was consulting with in spirituality, in, in, a, in spiritual direction. 8,000. Uh, he said this, and then I want to get your take on this. 
He said this as a prophetic statement. A time is coming when men will go mad. And when they see someone who is not mad, they will attack him, saying, you are mad, you are not like us. Bishop Strickland, Father Mark, has that time come? Well, there are too many signs of it, for sure, uh, probably through the ages at different moments. But in our time, there's too much of that. People saying insane things and then attacking other people that are simply speaking the truth. And uh, I was really inspired in the little bit I read about St. Anthony of Egypt, mm -hmm. St. Anthony the Abbot, sure. um, because what was very interesting, you think, well, he was a hermit and he went and sort of hid from the world. <laughs> but what I read is that he struggled with temptation throughout his life, strong temptations. It didn't describe what, but, you know, all kinds of temptations, I guess. Here he is a hermit living in the desert all by himself. And he's still struggling with those temptations that we can kind of excuse ourselves. Well, we live in this sinful world and we see all these images or yeah. whatever. Here's St. Anthony in, literally in the desert and he's still struggling with temptation. I think that's a reminder to that we shouldn't be surprised that we struggle with temptation. Yeah. But what did he do with that temptation? He took it to prayer. He took it to his faith and to the strength there. So I think St. Anthony, like all the saints, the saints are, are wonderful people that can inspire us. And I'm often encouraging people to get to know the saints because they inspire me, just like Father Mark was talking about Our Lady of Guadalupe and studying certainly Our Lady, the Queen of Saints, <laughs> um, but realizing that real people have lived wondrously virtuous lives, living the truth. The truth has been the same since eternity, but the truth that Christ proclaimed 2,000 years ago hasn't changed. It can't change. It won't change. We hear a lot about, oh, well, we're going to change this teaching or that teaching. We have to be strong enough, like the saints, to say no. And um, I mean, St. Anthony in the desert, he was a contemporary, actually the, the best information we have of him because he was a hermit. How do we know anything? Because St. Athanasius, who, who was a contemporary, wrote about him. And both of them were fighting the Arian heresy and just great inspiration of when you have the truth, you have the greatest strength that humanity can possess. Amen, 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 I say unto you. Wow. Father Mark? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you or both of you. Like in, in the expression I use, and I should maybe copyright it, but you know, to me, in many ways, our world has gone completely bonkers. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you don't need me to list just the things that you know. You think to yourself, like, are you serious? Like, how can normal people pretend like this is just you know normal and Anyways, you don't need me to give examples, but it, it, it to me, it scandalizes me that especially leaders and, and you know, people in the media, they, they, they treat some of these new ideologies, especially in the area of sexuality and identity as if, oh yeah, no, that's, that's perfectly fine. And anyways, I don't want to get into that, but I, I do believe, I do believe we're, we're living in a time 
uh, where we, we've, we've, I forget exactly how St. Anthony put it, you know, we've gone mad, we've gone bonkers. And, and I, I believe it's, um, you know, it, it's a sign that we will be experiencing just more of God's divine intervention, his mercy, justice, you know, to, to, to bring us to our knees and, and bring us back to our senses, you know, and again, that's a whole topic I probably don't want to get into now. Um, St. Anthony, he went into the desert when he was 18 years old. Yes. And he had a massive impact on the whole Christian world. Even in Europe, they were hearing about throngs of people leaving the world and going into the desert to live a life of, of deep prayer so they could enter into a union with God and, and live the gospel in, in, in the most, you know, wholehearted, radical, complete way. And they were renouncing the world that had in a, even, even kind of um, compromised or, or lax Christianity. They, they wanted to really respond wholeheartedly. And St. Anthony, he set the bar. Yeah. Like he, 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 he showed them how it could be done. And people, again, he inspired them so much. They came out, if I'm not mistaken, by the thousands, maybe tens of thousands, you know, they just filled that area of the Egyptian desert and beyond. Um, And that impact has had its ripple effect to this day. I mean, many, all of the monasticism, so much, when you read St. Teresa of Avila, even Therese of Lisieux, when you read, um, uh, you know, any of the the saints who, who had a, you know, kind of deep spiritual lives, they all read the stories of the Desert yep, Fathers yep. because they're delightful. They're just so fun to read. They're so, they're so human. They're so heartfelt. Um, and I like we're we're gonna do a series starting next week for our youth group on wilderness spirituality, and we're gonna talk about Saint Anthony of the Desert. We're gonna talk about how Jesus went into the desert, no iPhone. We're gonna talk about you know Saint Saint Benedict, Elijah, um, uh, Saint Paul, even like they, like this whole thing of just disconnecting from the crazy, noisy world full of distractions and just facing yourself and and in that kind of reality check of who you are and whose you are encountering God in a life changing way like we have to rediscover that mm-hmm, I agree you know we, we have to we have to realize our our identity our dignity our authority and our destiny and and I, so I, I encourage you know the young people you know don't be shy even to literally go into the desert, like go camping, go camping alone and leave your phone behind, bring a Bible with you, do a little bit of fasting and see what happens inside of you, you know, see what happens to your soul. And so I love St. Anthony. I didn't know that when I asked the question, but you know what, Father, you fired me up what you just said. I I think of, I know Bishop Strickland can't stay with us with the next segment when we end. So I, uh, Father Mark, if you could stay, I want to ask you the question, the greatest need in the church, what would that be for us today? But I want to just touch base on that silence part that I know I was with Father Don Calloway last weekend, and that's what got him. He was a wild kid, and when silence came in, it scared him at first because he didn't know what to do. Is that um, I, I, The point I'm trying to convey to you is it seems, Father Mark, 
that young people need to experience silence and prayer, whether it's before the Blessed Sacrament or out in the woods, but just to get the distractions out of their minds so they can focus on their relationship with Jesus Christ. And you've had a lot of experience working with young people in the charismatic movement. I know that. Uh, am I on to something about giving them more time to just have silence in their life? Would you, what would you recommend, you know, a, a time like a, a regiment for a young person to say, put aside a certain amount of time each week and just get your Bible, read it and reflect on it. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, in Proverbs, it says with closest custody, guard your heart, yeah, guard your heart yeah. for in it are the sources of life. And, you know, when we go into silence, what we need to do is we need to look deep within our own hearts because God dwells within us. And we need to see the depths of, of, of beauty and, 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 you know, glory God has created deep within us and, and our, you know, our, our dignity, our calling. And so again, to go into silence and, and to just face yourself and the God who made you, it's meant to shock us to the core and change our life forever. And, you know, many people can testify to that. That's what makes, you know, the, the, the saints, you know, they, they've encountered reality. You know? Wow. Wow. Father Mark, we're going to get you back after the break. And I have some big questions to ask you about the great needs of the church. Bishop Strickland, I know you've got a tight schedule. We'll see again. We'll see you again next week. So I thank you for your time. We'll be back with the Bishop Strickland Hour after a short break. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Father Mark Goring is with us. I wanted to give a quote from Vatican II, Father Mark, because I am. I think you and you embed the Vatican II priest that I envision, this, not the spirit of Vatican II, but the actual teachings of Vatican II. And on the uh, decree of the missionary activity of the church, it says the whole church is missionary. The work of evangelization is the fundamental task of the people of God. And I like what it says here. In the church, there's diversity of services, but unity of purpose. Christ conferred on the apostles and their successors the duty of teaching, sanctifying, and ruling in his name. But the laity, too, share in this priestly, prophetic, and royal office of Christ. Therefore, we they have a role to play in this mission. And I've seen you operate with that Vatican II spirituality where you're giving lay people roles of evangelization. And I want to ask you this question. What do you think is the greatest need in the church today to bring Christ into the world into the workplace what what need well how can we do that yeah well, well certainly you know that th th what we keep speaking about is people having that personal encounter with the lord jesus Amen. like when you when you fall in love with jesus when you open your heart to the lord jesus everything changes and you you see things as they are and yep. it, you know it changes everything in your life and so we always have to keep um, our work of evangelization and everything we do, okay. like everything we do in the church, it has to always be proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ. And it should be done with the radiant joy of a disciple of Jesus who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And so if you're in love, you never grow weary. 
of sharing the Lord Jesus with others. And if you're in love, there's a joy and, and there's a, a desire, you know, people, they, they need oh, to, yeah. to discover his love. And so certainly, you know, calling people to um, encounter the Lord Jesus and, and be filled with the Holy Spirit um, is that's where it all begins. Wow. Father, well said. And I always say this, that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I've seen this with priests, especially hearing confessions are going and ministering to people in need, because this is a, an opportunity. We have a couple hundred um, funerals at our chapel here, and I get to meet the people who are hurting because of their loved one who passed away. And this is a great opportunity to get them to re-invite them back to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think that you, uh, through your YouTube channel, uh, cover that. As a matter of fact, I, I think your comments about Our Lady of Fatima, I don't know if you remember, this was a while back, but you talked about the message of Fatima, how important it is for us to live that message. Do you mind just kind of talking a little bit about how the Fatima message applies to us, especially today, and how important it is to live that message? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the key things with the message of Fatima is it was at a time when so much of, especially Europe, was just opening itself up to these new um, um, ways of thinking, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and, and you know, dreams of new philosophies or ways of structuring, you know, society yeah. that we can make our own paradise yeah that's right and and part of the thinking you know especially from um uh, i guess the masons or or the um you know the intelligentsia of the time was that or, or um the communists it of was course. the communist yeah. the idea was we need to to do away with religion yes. because that's that's a stumbling block right. that's preventing us from being open minded and we're it's funny we're seeing this right now with the um, world economic forum in davos you know yes. people thinking that oh we're going to make the world a better place and and the way we're going to do that is we're going to set aside traditional morality we're going to set aside natural law we're going to do this all by our own reason, our brilliance, our new ways of thinking. And if you read, you know, the history of the world, you know, yeah. going back to the Old Testament, it never works when you kick God out exactly. and his commands and his law. Like when you, when you try to make a paradise and God isn't invited to paradise, it's not paradise. Yeah. You need God, you know? And so, and so that was happening in a, in an acute way. In at the time of Fatima, 1917, people, young people in droves were leaving the Catholic faith, the practice of religion, and our Blessed Mother appears and she warns, this, this is going to lead to destruction. And it did, the Second World War, the, the spread of communism, yep. you know? Yep. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's an urgent message. It was an urgent message and it still is. And you know, Father Mark, I always think of Fatima. I, my wife and I went to Fatima for our honeymoon almost 38 years ago. And so we're very devoted to Our Lady and consecrated to the Blessed Mother. And I love the aspect, you know, you can talk about, you know, the children seeing hell. I get all that. I mean, we have to have a fear for going to hell. I get that, a, a proper fear. But the thing that really touched my heart was when Our Lady said that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. 
And I actually have heard you talk about that on one of your YouTubes about embracing the fact that we all participate in the saving work of Christ and that I think you quoted Colossians chapter 1, I fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the good of the church and how we can have redemptive suffering and affect souls. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a big part of that is, is having the heart of Christ. And it is a heart that does grieve over, you know, the lack of love. And you know, we know that the heart of Christ was pierced. Mm -hmm. And if, we, if our heart is like the heart of Christ, it is a pierced heart. And so, I mean, the thing is, we're supposed to be joyful. We're supposed to be confident, surrender to the Lord, but always longing for the prodigals to come home. And, you know, the the story of the prodigal son, I know you're so familiar with I it. I love it, though. Let's talk the, about it. The tragedy yeah. is that the older brother didn't understand the grieving heart of his father and we as practicing catholics we're the older brother right. and we need to grieve you know with the, with the the wounded heart of christ like there has to be a longing for the prodigals to come home you know and so um so yeah it's 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 you know and i think the lord delights when he sees his children kind of um you ever hear the song uh break my heart with what break your breaks yours think so, you know yes, like a, yes. i think the lord you know loves it when our heart is broken yes. over the things that break his heart yes. and i think that the opposite is true also if we're like if we couldn't care less mm -hmm. whether or not people are saved like that must grieve the heart oh, yes. of the lord the blessed mother our guardian angel yes know? and you know father mark talking about angels i'm I'm a member of the Opus Angelorum, the work of the holy angels. I'm consecrated to our guard, my guardian angel. I always ask him, I always joke and say that the unemployment rate for guardian angels is way too high. Put them to work. Can you talk a little bit about how important it is as committed Christians, Catholics especially, to have a devotion to their guardian angel? Yeah, well, I mean, to, to have a guardian angel is just... It, what a wonderful thing. And it says something of our own dignity. Like you, you want, you talk about being VIP, you know, <laughs> if we have a constant uh, celestial yeah. being who lights guards, rules and guides us, um, that's a, a revelation of our great dignity. And, um, and it should be something that, that, you know, we, 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 are grateful for and and to me you would know more about devotion to the angels because of your work with is it opus angelorum, opus angelorum. yeah the work of yeah the so you would know more than i do but you know what one thing i i've always urged catholics Tell is me. you have to pray your guardian angel prayer every day i agree you know, minimum like do that and the saint michael prayer like those two prayers oh, yeah non-negotiable for for a catholic and it, it brings you know the the special help and assistance of of you know our, our guardian angel and and saint michael and, and all the celestial court and so it's a yeah it's a beautiful thing to be aware of and to um enter into you know father mark i'm 66 years old uh 52 years ago someone introduced me to uh the mass a daily mass and then i've heard fulton sheen's cassette tapes uh explaining what the mass is and just like you you got fired up as a teenager can you talk a little bit about 
not just the Mass, but the Eucharist in itself. Why is that such, I mean, John 6, why is it such a gift to the Church? And, and, and my point is, how do we re-enkindle? Our bishops are talking about a Eucharistic revival. What's your take on getting people excited about the Eucharist and the Holy Mass? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Eucharist is a gift beyond <laughs> words. It's, it's the Lord Jesus himself. I, I think if we just, you know, were to say to someone, listen, if, if you were in the vicinity of Bethlehem yeah. on the night Jesus was born, wouldn't you want to be there? And what, <laughs> wouldn't you want to just, you know, gaze upon the Savior yeah. and just, just bask in that beautiful thing. And some people would say, well, what are you talking about? It's just a little baby. Oh, no, it's not. It's not just a little baby. Yes, it's a baby. But this baby is the divine son of God, the savior of the world. And a, a soul that is awake will, um, will there'll be a knowing, will encounter divine love in this, this child, this newborn child. So too, in the Holy Eucharist, it's him. Yes. It's the Lord Jesus. He's truly present. And would you not want to spend some time with him? Would you not want to open your heart to him and receive him, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist? And a person who is spiritually awake experiences a wonderful peace and delight and is fulfilled in a way that, again, can't be described. And the proof Yep. is look at all the people who they just, they keep going day after day to mass, to Eucharistic adoration. It's their heart. It's their love. It's, the, it's, it's their strength, you know, and uh, I can go, I don't know how much time we have. Well, we just I have another walk. minute or two, but you know, it's a taste of heaven. I'm, I'm listening to you <laughs> yes. going, ah, father, you're preaching to the, I mean, this is so important that I, especially I find that young people also are doing more, much more Eucharistic adoration. I see more young people at mass. So I just want to Thank you for your, your zeal for the salvation of souls. we got a minute left, Father Mark. Can you give us your priestly blessing, please? Oh, Heavenly Father, pour out your love, pour out your mercy. Just grant your children their heart's desire now. Bless them. Father, I pray that through this blessing you bathe everyone in the most precious blood of your Son, Jesus. And may Almighty God bless you now. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Mark Goring on YouTube, people, I endorse that man because he has a heart for the sacred heart of Jesus. And uh, he's on fire. And we need young priests like Father Mark to share the gospel. Thank you, Father Mark, for taking the time to join us here on the Bishop Strickland Hour here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God richly bless your ministry. And again, folks, if you'd like to hear more shows, we've got the, the Terry and Jesse show. we got Jesus 911. Take a look at our app. Download the free app, vmpr.org. And then you can listen to all of our shows. May God richly bless you and your family. And thanks for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Get our app. That way you can hear all of our shows. God love you.